Welcome to A Tad Bit Crunchy, a podcast about transforming your life using natural and holistic hacks. I'm Whitney Bean, wellness and life coach and mom of four. I'm curious and learning right alongside you. I believe we can achieve better health and balance and still be on time for soccer practice most of the time. Hello and welcome to the show. I hope you're having a great week. Uh, we are over here. It's still winter time and we are uh, pretty far from warm weather. We have probably snow um, coming at least one more time before we see any sign of spring. But this week there's been no snow and we haven't had it for a, a couple weeks and so it's feeling like spring is near and we're excited to see uh, warmer weather and we're ready for um, planting gardens and spending more time outside. So we're excited for this time of year and we're uh, excited to see a variety in the weather. Um, But today we're going to talk a little bit about something that I have observed recently in the last couple years, uh, maybe post-COVID, maybe just 2023, who knows, Um, There seems to be kind of an uptick in um, anxiety and sleeping issues and eating issues and overwhelm in our kids and our youth. And so that's something that a lot of parents are concerned about and worried about and kind of a topic of conversation going on a lot of the time. Um, The tools that can help kids are the same tools that can help adults, but I think sometimes we forget how much kids are, um, are able to do at a young age. We really can start small and start easy to create a foundation for them of emotional intelligence to create emotional resilience. So as they are having life's experiences, even though they're different than we had, they can be armed with that emotional resilience because they've had it taught to them from a young age. So as parents, we can't control everything in their life. We can't control every situation that they're in, but we can help them to uh, create a trust within themselves and a trust within the family and within um, them and their parents to be able to communicate their needs, to communicate what they're experiencing. And uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about how how we do that and how you can do that, how I can do that in my home. So I want you first to think about emotions Um, in a slightly different way. So we have these emotions. They're part of our communication system. They're meant to be there. They are perfectly normal, yet they also sometimes feel overwhelming. So sometimes if our kids are um, displaying things like crying or feeling nervous um, or uh, maybe complaining and whining, then we'll say they're really emotional right now. And so I first want to just think about and um, maybe offer to you to use the word emotional different than we have in the past. Um, I think that a lot of times we consider being emotional very negative. And so um, first, before we say we're going to talk about emotions, because a lot of people will say, well, (laughs) I know what that means. That means that I'm, you know, um, conveying too much crying or that I'm overly nervous or so I just want to like detach the uh, word emotions from when we're describing what's going on 
with kids when we're describing something negative, like if we're seeing them um, have a negative attribute, we want to be careful to not say you're being so emotional, right? Because that first and foremost creates a foundation of like, well, emotions aren't good then, right? So I just want to start off with that, just talking about the word emotions in general and making sure that we are utilizing it in a way that's going to be really helpful and useful to our families and to ourselves instead of having like a negative connotation with it. Um, And so I want you to think of emotions um, in a way like they are part of a digestive system. And I know this is going to say like, this is going to seem a little odd, but um, when we have emotions, they are because of a thought in our head, we have a thought in our brain, and then it creates an emotion. And this is part of the system. This is nothing is broken. We are supposed to have this system. Um, And so when we have an emotion, there is something going on in the body that is creating a physical sensation. So when we notice an emotion, there is a physical sensation associated with that emotion. And so um, sometimes when we have that feeling and we don't know where to send it or what to do with it, and this is subconsciously, right? This is not literally um, or consciously. Um, then our body just kind of stores it. It just holds on to it almost as if it's like, that's cool. You don't know what to do with it right now. I'll just hold on to it for you. You can deal with it later. And what happens over time when this happens is that we start to collect certain emotions in a way that feels triggering. For example, you might have triggers that you can think of when you, when certain conversations come up, when certain um, experiences happen, when you see certain people, when you taste a certain food, when you have a certain smell, there are things associated with that trigger that can remind you of it. And so then when you experience that thing, then you feel that trigger. So for example, if you have been dealing with a lot of grief, and the grief is not processing and it's just kind of stuck. Maybe let's say that the grief was even like 20 years ago and then something happens today where you feel grief, then you might feel um, a stronger sense of grief than someone who has experienced grief for maybe the first time because you kind of have this bundled grief from the past that is unprocessed and unta- you know not taken care of. And so um, another example might be When there is a parent who has young kids and then on TV, they see someone who loses a child or where the something um, traumatic is happening to a child and you might experience that differently than someone who does not have a child because you've had similar feelings, you've had similar emotions that are associated with that experience. And so you might, for example, um, let's take, instead of the traumatic, let's take something opposite, like (laughs) the um, traditional, um, what are they called? The Oh, the Hallmark, the Hallmark cards, you know, like the Hallmark commercials where you see those and it's like um, a parent reunited with a child. And if you've experienced that loss and then reuniting, then you might have, more emotions associated with that than someone who has not. And so based on our life experiences, we sometimes kind of collect triggers or we collect these experiences that feel more intense than others. So um, you can think of a time in your life where um, you have had 
um, emotions that feel stronger than they should be, like quote unquote should (laughs) feel in that moment. Um, I absolutely have. And based on whatever the trigger or the stimuli is, then that emotion, all of a sudden it's like, I don't even know why I'm crying about this, or I don't even know why this feels like a big deal. And that's exactly why is because the emotion behind it, um, or emotions behind it have not been digested or moved through you. And so it's like, um, adding to it. And I like to think of that as like a rubber band ball. Like we have this big rubber band ball of that emotion inside of us and it's just tightening. It's just adding to it as opposed to just moving through us. So if we go back to this analogy that emotions are digesting, think about the original emotion. Like when we feel it in that moment, that's like the taste of the food. That's like the sensation of like the taste, the crunchiness, the texture of it. You're experiencing it for the first time. And sometimes when we're eating, we don't even really notice the taste. We don't even really notice the texture. Maybe we're eating in a rush or we're eating and we're distracted. And so sometimes we don't even notice the emotion, just like sometimes we don't even notice the taste of the food when we're eating it. And it doesn't mean it's not there, right? It doesn't mean it's not happening. And then once you swallow that food, the food doesn't disappear, right? It still has to digest. It still has to move through. And so when we have an experience, we have an emotion, even if we're not noticing it, we're not tasting it right as it's happening, we still have the emotion and it still needs some way to process. And a lot of the time we don't know what that looks like or what that feels like. And so they just kind of stay stuck. And that's where we get into those like triggers. And so when we think about um, our kids these days, 2022, no, 2023, (laughs) um, there are a lot of things that are triggering. There's a lot of things that are feeling heavy and hard and um, taking energy. They feel draining. And so we can help. We can help by teaching, first of all, what this emotional system looks like and what their specific emotions look and feel like. And as they are noticing them more, they're tasting the food more, they're tasting the emotion more um, in the moment, then it digests differently. So maybe you've heard that term of processing emotions or having stuck emotions. And this is what we're talking about. Um, So a lot of times what we're talking about is the thought patterns are stuck. Um, We kind of have like these grooved in thought patterns. And so when we have that experience again, that's when we're feeling that trigger. But I also do believe that like the cells in our body have memory. And when we experience a certain trigger or stimuli, we feel that in our body. And again, if it's a trigger or something that you've experienced in the past that is unprocessed, you'll feel it a heck of a lot more intensely than someone else. So this might look like to you when you explain the trigger, like when you got really angry at somebody and you are retelling the story to somebody else. And you're like, can you believe this situation? And the other person's like, I don't quite understand what the problem is. And you're like, but don't you see, because you've had history with that emotion, you've had history with that experience. And so it feels more intense to the other person. It might just be like, that doesn't seem like that big of a deal. 
Um, so that's how you kind of know it's a trigger. <laughs> like if you were to retell that story to someone who is not involved, then they kind of have that flat response of like, I don't see where the problem is. Um, but you feel a lot of emotion attached to it. And it's not a bad thing, right? It's like triggers are a, an incredible indication that there's work to do and that we can um, work through some of these processes, but don't think of them like, oh, great, I have another trigger. <laughs> Just think of it as, you know, the way we are processing our emotions. Right now, we might have like a backlog of emotions because we're just learning about this. And as you work through them, you will be able to work through that backlog at an exponential rate as you learn different techniques and tools to do so. And I do want to point out too, again, just going back to how phenomenal emotions are, but as we learn more about emotions and what they feel like within our own body, then we get to majorly reduce the stress in any situation. Like that, that's where the resilience comes in. So as we learn more about what's going on, um, it's, we don't have to take a significant amount of time because we've already paved that path. So when we learn it, we learn at an exponential rate and it becomes easier and easier and easier to recognize emotions, to allow ourselves to feel them through different techniques and tools, and then allow them to move on and be released. So I've used this in previous podcasts, but I also like to think of it as like the waves of an ocean. So when you're standing, let's say ankle deep in the ocean and a wave comes up and maybe it comes all the way up to like your belly button and then it keeps going and it moves on and then it's back down, the water levels back down to your ankles and then the next wave comes and maybe this one's all the way up to your waist and then it moves on and then it's down to your ankles again. So we have these waves like emotions that come and our emotions are made for that present moment and then they should move on. And so if they are feeling stuck, if that water is stuck and we have that high level of emotion internally, it feels stressful to our body. It feels like we have an extra amount of stress and that's where we can feel overwhelmed. That's where we can feel anxious and those hard, heavy things that are building up over time. So by working on emotions in the present moment, we're significantly reducing the stress um, for future situations that come up. And this is exactly what we want to do for our kids too. If we can help them to feel and recognize emotions in the present moment, then they don't have this huge backlog of emotions. They don't keep collecting and they don't have that underlying heavy stress. They're able to deal with stress as it comes, you know, just like those waves moving through the ocean. So with our kids, this might look like, you know, when, when things are feeling like that wave is not passing through, um, it might look like a lot of anger, you know, anger fits or a lot of frustration. It might look like a lack of communication. It might look like high anxiety. It might look like overwhelm or indecision. It might look like trouble sleeping or issues around eating. So these are some of the red flags or some of the notifications that you can see and then say, okay, you know, we can work on this. We need to start at that foundation of an emotional intelligence in order for these things to reduce. And so there's nothing wrong with your kid. There's nothing wrong with you. It just means that we can both start from a fresh place of new communication around emotions to build that emotional resilience. 
And then keep in mind too that the you know, quote unquote symptoms or the red flags that um, I just mentioned, they can be completely age appropriate. So we see these things depending on the age all the time anyways, right? And so just be open to the idea that you are um, you are in tune with your household. And if you feel like there is an increase in that anxiety, or if they're telling you there's an increase in, in that anxiety, if you're noticing sleep issues, so if these things are out of the norm for their age or for their stage, um, that's a good indication that you can, you know, help with that foundation. And, uh, so I just wanted to point that out too, that like, you know, tantrums happen. <laughs> like it doesn't mean that these things are never going to happen. Um, but just that you can be aware and be, um, you know, listening to what they're telling you. They're telling you, no, I really am overwhelmed or I really am having issues here. Or you're noticing that there's, um, issues or, uh, some trouble around eating. So just be perceptive and notice what's going on and then know that you can come back to these tools at any time to kind of reiterate them to, um, you know, use them more often as a household so that you can continue to keep that stress reduction down. So going back to our um, emotion digesting analogy, <laughs> so we have that initial emotion and let's say that we even notice it. So let's say we even notice what it feels like. It feels, you know, tense in the body. It feels uncomfortable. Um, so even then we still can use the, the tools that I'll talk to you in about in a few minutes in order to help that digest. And then sometimes if we don't notice that first taste of the emotion or that sensation of the emotion, then we can still use these tools. So it, it doesn't really matter either way. The idea is over time, you're noticing it quicker. And so when you do first have an emotion or when your child first has an emotion, they are noticing it easier. And like I said, like, it doesn't mean we need to spend our whole life talking about this, right? But um, my point being that if we have this as a foundation and we're open to the communication about emotions, then it changes everything. There is so much possibility in stress reduction over time. And we, there's no, there's no um, doubt that there is a high level of stress in daily life right now. Stress continues to increase. And so the maintenance or the stress reduction that we are going to have to intentionally put into our lives is going to have to increase. It has to, um, we have to be able to combat that stress and stress is okay, right? If it's in a balanced um, level, it means we care and that's okay. But it's when we have that low level chronic stress that is um, harming really our health, that's the type of stress that we want to reduce. We want to be able to be aware and um, intentionally have stress reduction in our life over um, you know, every day, really that self-love, that self-care that is helping to reduce stress. Okay. So today I'm going to talk about three of the six rules that I teach parents to help them so that their kids can learn from a really young age, how to digest emotions as they come. And this is for all ages. So don't think, well, like, well, my kids are older now they're in their teens. Uh, this is for all ages, but it can also be taught really simply to a young age. So um, I am going to teach three of the six, and I just wanted to point out that next Monday, um, January 30th, uh, 9 o'clock 
Pacific. I'm teaching a webinar on the six rules of teaching uh, to teach your kids about emotions, and this is totally free. Um, it's for parents, it's for grandparents, teachers, any caretakers of kids or teens. Um, if you want to learn them for yourself, that's fine too. Anybody who wants to listen in can do so. And so I just wanted to put that out there too, that if you are like, yeah, we need these tools, I need some help here. Um, I've got you, we've got some support and you can sign up. We will have the link to it in the show notes. So you can click on that. If you listen to this after January 30th, go ahead and click on the link anyways, and we'll have future dates. I plan to do this about monthly to support families. Um, because that's really what this is all about. I want to be able to support families where they are needing help. Okay, so the first rule that I love to tell parents is to start to build a vocabulary of emotions. Um, We can't really have a conversation about emotions without that foundation of vocabulary. And so start to use emotional vocabulary more often for yourself, um, out loud with your children, as a family, Um, So those are things like happy, sad, lonely, embarrassed, irritated, uncomfortable, comfortable, passionate, shy, loving, worried, playful, guilty, jealous. So we're just starting to build a vocabulary of emotions and we want to expand it. So a lot of kids know sad, mad, happy, (laughs) right? And so we're trying to expand that vocabulary so that they can better describe what's going on inside of them and what they're seeing in other people. So um, even when you're looking through a book with your kids, if there's illustrations, you can point to the character in the book and say, what do you think that they're feeling? And they can describe it with these words or you can help them describe it and describe it with more than one word because you might have, um, there might be more than one thing going on. If it's a chapter book and there's no pictures, you can take, Um, an incident in that book and say, what do you think that that character was feeling when that happened? Um, And so we're expanding it, not just like in the moment for ourselves, but we're also looking for clues. We're looking for scenarios in shows that we're watching, in books, in real life, watching other kids. You know, if somebody gets hurt near them, you can say, you know, do you want to go check on that person? What do you think that they might be feeling? And so we're becoming more aware of the emotions of other people and also of themselves. Um, In all of this, we also want them to learn empathy without taking on other people's emotions. This is huge, especially for a lot of us adults. We can probably relate that maybe we didn't have the awareness of someone else's emotions versus our emotions. So we can have empathy, we can care about others' emotions without taking on that emotion. So start there, start with that first initial, just building a vocabulary. My son's uh, kindergarten teacher is phenomenal. Um, I was in there the other day and they have kind of a morning rug routine. And uh, what they do is she goes around to each of the kids and she asks them how they're doing. And they respond with, I am blank. And they say an emotion. And then they say why. So for example, they can say, I'm excited today because yesterday we got a new puppy. Or I'm sad today because my Nana is sick. And so they can say what the emotion is and then why. And so every single day, my son is hearing this from 
I think there's 16 of them in his class. So 16 kids and a teacher. Every single day he's hearing these emotions. And I think it's so cool that it's just a tiny way to integrate and to check in with each of those kids. Okay, so tip number two is that no feelings are off limits. All feelings are normal and all feelings are allowed. Um, I think sometimes we confuse the emotion with the action. And this is where we really are separating those two and really defining what is going on here. Um, And I really try to do this with my kids from a young age because I want them to know that feeling angry is totally normal. Hitting their sibling is a thumbs down action. So that's like a not okay action. We use thumbs up actions and thumbs down actions because we can use the physical um, hand motion that they can see from a young age. And it's described in a way that's not, you know, shaming or harsh. It's a pretty simple, that's a thumbs up action. That's a thumbs down action. And so um, the reason that I do this is because if they know that when they feel angry, there are other options then they have a choice because I think a lot of times we associate and our kids associate having an emotion with an action. So when you see somebody hit someone else, then that's what anger looks like. And that's not true. That's not what anger looks like. That is the choice that they made based on the anger that they were feeling. And so, um, even though the, Um, instinct to hit comes really quickly. The more that we talk about this action versus emotion, the more space and time that our kids will have to make a choice. And so when they feel angry, which is normal, it's normal to feel angry sometimes, then I want them to know and we can talk about what are some thumbs up actions that you can do that you can take when you feel anger. And then I'll even say, sometimes I feel angry and this is what is helpful when I feel angry. So then when I uh, catch my kids in the moment, when they are making that thumbs down choice, then, you know, I don't say quit being angry. (laughs) I say, I say, what are you feeling right now? And I help them if they're really young, I help them to describe what they're feeling or to name it. And then I say, what you just did, right? Pushing your sibling was a thumbs down action, but what are some thumbs up actions that you can take next time you feel that? When you feel angry next time, what are some thumbs up actions you can take? And so we talk about what that plan might look like. Um, A lot of the time it's, you know, one of the actions that they can take is asking a parent for help. One of the actions that they can take is to step away from the situation. Another action that they can take is to use their words and communicate with their sibling and say, hey, can I please have that toy back? So there's such simple actions, right? But if they are used to taking an action that is a thumbs down action right when they feel that anger, they'll continue to do that for the rest of their life. But it's a matter of taking the time to describe the difference. So just to reiterate that idea, then actions can be good and not so good or thumbs up, thumbs down, but all feelings are allowed. So it's not like we have good, um, good emotions and bad emotions. All feelings are allowed and all feelings are okay. So the next one, number three is that you can feel more than one emotion at a time. You can feel more than one feeling at a time. So make sure that you ask your kids, what else did you feel? Because 
they need to validate, they need to express what's going on in order for it to feel like it can digest. And so when our kids come to us and um, we focus on the problem or the situation that's going on, it is not as helpful as asking them, um, what's going on? What are you feeling? And so when we ask that question, what are you feeling? And then we let them use that vocabulary that they're working on and that we're working on. And then before we jump into that emotion, before we jump into any solution, before we jump into the problem going on, you say, what else do you feel? And what else do you feel? (laughs) I've said this in previous podcasts, but, um, my five-year-old little boy is like a gem at this. Like, so he will come up, you know, obviously looking like he's very frustrated, overwhelmed, and a situation has happened. And so he'll come up and I'll get down to his level. I usually, I like to like kneel on the ground and let them sit on my lap and I'll say, what's going on? What are you feeling? And he'll say, I feel mad. And then I'll say, what else are you feeling? I feel sad. What else are you feeling? I'm frustrated. And then I'll say, what else are you feeling? And he'll say, that's it. (laughs) So it's like, he has to express and validate and say, those words, you know, he has to say them because they're part of his digestive system for those emotions. And then he'll kind of think about it for a sec and then he'll say, that's it, you know? And so give your kids the opportunity to express whatever they want to in a thumbs up way, right? We're not saying that they can scream their head off at you. So we're talking about in a a good communicating thumbs up action, um, let them talk to you about it. Um, and then be open to the fact that they'll be feeling more than one feeling at a time. So it's not about like the feeling specifically, but it's about letting them vocalize that. Cause sometimes like if they have a friend who let's say moved classrooms, they might feel really sad for that friend, but they might also be really excited to hear about their new classroom, right? So they might be feeling sad and excited at the same time. And it's important to remember that we are the same way. I was just talking to a friend this week who is kind of feeling sad about something, but then also so grateful. And she was like, I can't, you know, I, and I do this too, where like, it's almost like we feel bad saying the hard things or saying the emotions that are going on without saying, but also I feel so grateful and I feel so happy. And I think sometimes we forget that we can feel more than one emotion at a time. So even though things feel hard and even though things feel sad, it's okay. They can also feel really good at the same time. It's okay to feel more than one emotion at a time. If you think about going to a funeral for someone that you care about, there is a lot of grief and there's a lot of sadness but there can also be so much joy within that experience, right? And so we can feel more than one feeling at a time. And it's really important that our kids learn that because um, we can't fully digest. We can't fully process those emotions unless we're open to the idea that there's a lot going on. Sometimes things can feel like they're complicated and we can kind of help simplify them by just simply experiencing and naming what else is going on. Okay, so that's it for today for us. Um, Hopefully you're also hearing my adorable three-year-old in the background too. She's right around the corner and uh, just so dang cute. So um, hopefully you're hearing her cute chatting. So that is it for today. And I just wanted to give you kind of those three rules. Um, It's just interesting when we simplify and we 
think about emotions differently. Um, it really, truly can reduce the stress in the home. It can reduce the stress internally with each individual. It improves the communication in the home. It improves the problem-solving skills. It improves that emotional resilience out in the world. There's so many incredible benefits. And I think that we're just barely at the tip. We're just barely at um, you know, the start of learning about what emotional intelligence can do for us and what it can do to help us to feel resilient and to feel strong in the world. Um, and so I think that we're going to learn more and more about this in our kids school. They're beginning to learn social emotional learning. And, um, this is something I, I read the book about emotional intelligence that was written, I think, like 30 years ago. And in the book, he said, I hope that one day this is taught in schools. And so we're like just at the very cusp of like where this is um, we're seeing what an effect this can make for ourselves and for our children and for our communities. Um, and so start in your home, start in your own family, in your, in your own life. Um, even if you don't have children, this is, these are obviously things that we can each do for ourselves too. Learning these rules are things that will benefit all ages. So don't forget to go to the show notes to click on the link for um, the webinar. Uh, again, the webinar is free. It will be about 45 minutes long, and then I'll take questions at the end. I would love for it to be interactive. Um, so I will allow, you know, people to contribute and even bring on questions that you might have about your specific family, about specific kids. Uh, we, uh, we care a lot, right? And so we want our families to have resources. We want our families to have tools. We want our families to have techniques and um, we don't always know where to find those. And so I just want to share some of those tools and techniques and start with a foundation of um, emotional intelligence. So spread the word, um, invite your friends to come, family members, spouses, um, and I'll see you there. So it's January 30th at 9 a.m. All right. Bye guys. I'm so glad that you found a tad bit crunchy. You can show your love by leaving a review and sharing the show. Reviews help the podcast to be seen by more curious and intentional women just like you. And of course, sharing the podcast is how we can help more and more folks create a natural and holistic foundation for their health. If you share on social media, be sure to tag me at Whitney Bean Coaching so I can show some love. Thanks, guys.